Welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. One day to go until the Leinster game and I can hardly wait. I'm joined by Irish Times journalist Nathan Johns as we look back on the Scarlets game, reflect on what went well and also where there's room for improvement. We also look ahead to tomorrow evening's game against provincial rivals Leinster and discuss where each team will look to target each other and some of the interesting matchups and individual battles we're looking forward to. We'll also be taking a quick look at the emerging Ireland squad set to have their first game in South Africa tomorrow afternoon and discuss some of the names to look out for. What a weekend of rugby it's going to be. Hope you enjoy the chat. Hello and welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. The Red Hand provides next-level Ulster rugby coverage, offering fans unrivaled insight, unfiltered opinion, powerful stories and accessible analysis. Every minute of every game is covered with weekly in-depth written articles, interviews with players past and present, analysis from rugby experts, and a podcast in which we preview and review Ulster's games and discuss all things Ulster rugby. To gain full access, please join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the red hand or visit theredhand.co. The Red Hand is proudly partnered with Shredded Juice Bar, a fantastic local business based on Belfast bustling Lisburn Road. Shredded Juice Bar stocks a range of fresh, healthy, wholesome and delicious food and drinks. Fresh juices, smoothies, acai bowls, protein pots, overnight oats, protein balls, salads and wraps. You can tailor our menu to your needs. Everything is served just the way you like it. We're all about feel-good food. Come and give us a try. We know you'll love it. We're open seven days a week. That's Shredded Juice Bar on the Lisburn Road in Belfast. We look forward to seeing you soon. I want to tell you about a new partner of the Red Hand, Andy Willis, Strength and Conditioning. Rugby, even at an amateur level, has never been more competitive. If you're serious about feeling fitter, stronger, and gaining confidence in your body again while playing, then this could be your opportunity. Andy Willis is a rugby strength and conditioning coach, providing a first-class online strength and conditioning service for athletes. Andy provides his athletes with clarity, support, personalised performance programmes and sports injury rehabilitation. Andy would like to offer listeners who are serious about levelling up their game a consultation call to discuss their goals and how strength and conditioning could help you level up. Find Andy on Instagram at andywillis underscore sc for more information. Okay, so I'm joined by Nathan Johns, who's an Irish Times journalist, and um, we're going to have a quick chat here about the Scarlets game before moving on to huge game, always is, uh, provincial rivals, the Ulster-Lanster game coming up this Friday. So to kick us off, Nathan, what will Ulster have to improve off the back of that Scarlets game? Well, it, it's it's a tricky one because, I mean, you, you look at the scoreline and there's an obvious enough one there of, of conceding uh, nigh on 40 points. Um, I'm always a bit wary of saying obvious things like that when you know with the lens of what's coming next and you know the Scarlet's attack is, is is very different from a lot of different attacks that you get in the league um Scarlet's are going to score a lot of points on a lot of different teams um and, and I actually think you know these days with the high scoring games you get in club rugby sometimes as long as you're scoring lots of points conceding if you're sacrificing 
a little bit of defensive solidity at the, at the same time. It's not the end of the world. Um, but look, it's an it's an obvious one. I actually think I know a lot of people have been talking about how how good Ulster's attack was and you know the the skill set of, of various different players and how impressive that was. And and I agree. Um, I think the offloading game was fantastic in particular. Um, I know a lot of people have been talking about like forward tip on passes and everything, but. Uh, when I watched the game back the other day, it was interesting. I actually don't think Ulster's forwards needed to use those little forward uh, tip-ons in, in pod play, um, either to each other or at the back as much. Well, more so to each other, to to, to the second or third runner in a pod. Um, just because Ulster's ruck speed was so fast that the, the forward pods were always running against a retreating line and they never really had any trouble getting over the gain line. So it's a small thing, but that's another variety that maybe, I'm sure they have, that, you know, Ulster's always been a very skilled team. Um, but it's another variety that they can they can bring in more. We've seen them do it in the past into their attack and the forward in the forward tip-ons. And I think it's something that you know will be needed more so against a team like Leinster, who you know very good at getting the defensive line set and two-man tackles. So some a bit more forward pod variety um, would be needed. So you know there's not not, not a lot of, of of negatives, but yeah, you know, conceding 39 points is always frustrating. Less so when you score. What was it? Was it 55 they scored? Um, yeah. And and yeah, I think as much as much as the attack was impressive, I still think there's room for a little bit more variety. Yeah, yeah, no fair fair points, and yeah, our defence obviously, and we can discuss that later on about it. It looked uh, <laughs> it looked it looked a bit dodgy, and against better opposition, will be punished even more. So okay, in terms of positives, if I could focus on that for a second, and I, th- I think what you're saying about the the tip on passes and offloads, like it's a it's a work in progress. I think. We'll not get it perfect, but since McFarland has arrived, he's encouraged this. It took a while. Dan Super has um, brought us on enormously in that regards in terms of the overall skill level of our forwards, um, in terms of contributions as well that they're making. So uh, Marty Moore is a, a very good example of that as a guy who he's certainly uh, in the mould of a, a traditional prop, um, yet he's making contributions all over the pitch in terms of ball carrying, tackling, and overall getting stuck in, hitting rocks, and uh, and a lot more mobile than perhaps he looks. Um, Alan O'Connor and Matty Ray as well. Uh, in terms of their contributions, we saw Treadwell and O'Connor, and in, in, in fact, put put in a, a decent tackle count. There's almost 30 tackles between them uh, in Friday's game. Matty Ray uh, and Treadwell carrying very well as well. So. I, there's, I looked at the stats after the game, being a bit of a nerd, and looked at sort of the spread of carries because I sort of concerned for, for Mullen, albeit isn't or isn't the be all and end all in terms of ball carrying for Ulster, but he certainly carries carries a certain load. And it was good to see other guys step up. Rob Herring's another one who had a really good return in terms of of the yardage that he made for each carry. So. Okay, I was pretty happy about that. I do, I do like the in terms of the, the sort of the, the pod play and, and shifting the, the point of contact or anticipated contact. I quite like that. Uh, now it will take a while to refine it and, and get it perfect, but I take that away as a positive. It's funny how we sort of view that differently. Do you know it's a wee bit clunky, maybe yeah. at the minute? Yeah. Well, I think I think I think Ulster's offloading game kind of got them over the game line plenty of times, and that's obviously slight. That's kind of the post-contact um, skills. I think, and I think the pre-contact skills are something that it's something we've seen a lot in um, in Ireland teams. Ian Henderson did it a lot um, in Six Nations campaign. It's something he's very good at. Um, and I, I, it's 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 not something that comes very naturally to a lot of players. Um, so when you're continually making game line success, and Ulster were, and the reason why they were is because their ruck speed was really good. Uh, so John Cooney had a really good, and you know you got to credit back row or whoever is responsible there um, for the clean network. 
But when you're running without quick rug speed, you almost don't necessarily need the pre-contact um, skills as much. Uh, now, they will in other games. And I'm not saying Ulster don't have that. I'm saying they didn't necessarily need to show it on the weekend. Um, and they, de- they definitely could. It's interesting what you said about Treadwell. I didn't look at his his num- his numbers, either in attack or defence. Um, it's good to see that those carry numbers and tackle numbers were on the high side. Because I think, I think in previous podcasts, we've kind of said... Why was he not playing in the back end of Ulster's season, considering how important he was in kind of like the second string on the Ireland tour? Um, and, you know, talking to various people, I think the criticism of him was his work rate. I think, you know, his carrying was always very good. It was just his work rate wasn't necessarily always there. So that's that's a good sign for him if um, if those numbers are as, are as high as they are and, and, and stay that high consistently. That's it. I, th- I think in some ways, Alan O'Connor and Treadwell are contrasting players. Treadwell, historically, he's been a bit more of a glamour player, you know, trying to get his hands in the ball, uh, hit it up. Now, that that is evened out quite nicely between the two. Uh, Alan O'Connor even getting a rare try um, at the weekend, which is good to see. But no, it, it, certainly Treadwell, um, I thought, had a very good game. Alan O'Connor is, um, in large part, not, not solely responsible, but... Um, puts an enormous shift and allows Ulster play, to play with that rock speed and the relentless style that Ulster play with the high intensity. I think before maybe we lacked fitness, whatever whatever happened last season, we seemed to trail off. It happened again and again in the last 20 minutes. You could never be sure that Ulster, even if we had a bit of a cushion uh, that we would see out of the game, and that's definitely changed to certainly the fitness. And also the fact that we've got a bit more depth now and McFarland can reach to the, the bench as well. The likes of uh, Raffle, O'Sullivan, O'Toole don't massively affect the, the quality. In fact, those guys are in competing um, for a, a starting starting place. So, look in, ter- in terms of in terms of positives, there are many. McCloskey and Marshall, in terms of their ability to uh, run directly, draw on defenders, and open up space for the back three. Very. I mean, people have talked about this a, a lot, particularly in, with regard to McCloskey and. Um, maybe his limited game time for, for Ireland so far. But certainly at this level, McCloskey is absolutely tearing it up and it's great to see. And I'm glad in some ways that he's he's not a guy who's who's got the uh who's going to be constantly away with Ireland selfishly from from a, an Ulster perspective because we need him. We do rely on him quite heavily. Although I would have liked to see him maybe play a bit bit more for Ireland. So just to cap off our chat about um about the the, the Scarlet game there at the weekend, who are the players that you're most impressed with? I really like the point you made actually on the kind of the distribution of carriers. And I know that's not singling out one particular player, but I think that's a really good point and something I hadn't really thought about. And it, it's interesting that you bring that up with Vermeulen in mind, because I think it's safe to say in his first season, his workload and he's you know, he's earned his his big contract at the line out and with defensive breakdown. That's where he's been really good. He hasn't necessarily been the big ball carrier that he has been earlier on in his career. So um, it's good to see, you know, you maybe you add him back in soon with the, with the limited carrying that he does these days um, with that, that breakdown. The, the defensive breakdown was actually something that I thought Ulster could could improve on. It was only in the second half they got their couple of jackal penalties, and that's something that Ulster do a lot of. They love to compete on the floor, unlike, as I'm sure we're going to talk about later, Leinster don't do that. Um, and I think that was a large part of Scarlett's scoring the two unanswered tries in the first half that did. Ulster just couldn't get any momentum at the defensive breakdown. They couldn't slow ball up and they couldn't get any pilfers. Um, in terms of individual players, one guy we haven't actually spoken about is uh, is Mikey Larry, And I want to talk about him because I don't remember him. I remember a couple of breaks from him and a couple of, you know, he swings late into shape off of balls out the back or or what have you. Um, but I didn't remember him being 
as busy as the stats suggest. Um, I mean, his his carrying meters were were through the roof. Um, he was the highest carrier, I'm pretty sure, um, against the Scarlets. I'm trying to find the exact number. It'll, it'll I'll find it in a second. So that was impressive because I don't remember him being particularly busy. Only one or two memorable line breaks, but he's clearly still getting his hands on the ball, um, which is which is good to see. Um, you know, especially after uh, Stewie Moore impressed in the 15 shirt last weekend. And I thought he was he was excellent. I actually, I remember I came away from that game, the first game, thinking he was brilliant. So good to see uh, Larry stepping up and uh, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see which one of them they go with um, this weekend in the 15 shirt. But if there was any pressure on uh, on Larry's 15 shirt for the Leinster game, I think he did a pretty good job of, um, of putting that away. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to overlook Lowry for his um, the X factor that he brings to Ulster, uh, his ability to attack from from deep. Um, and made again, as soon as you, I know it was a lot of meters that he made. I can't remember the specific figure, um, but we're talking over it was 120 or 30 meters over the course of the game, which is not bad. So if we turn now, um, plenty of positives and negatives to take away from that game, but we look ahead now, and luckily that Nathan is joining us as the resident Leinster expert in the group. So in terms of Leinster and their start of the season, bit of a, a hairy start against uh, Zebra. Tell us, for, for those of us who haven't been able to follow Leinster as closely as we would like in the opening couple of games, what has Leinster's start of the season been like? I think that Zebra game, if you are considering it under the lens of uh, Leinster's second and third string, that'll play a hell of a lot of URC minutes to them this season that that, that Ulster have, have, have beaten uh, consistently in the last year or two. If you look at the Zebra game and with that in mind, from, from, from an outside of Leinster point of view, you're delighted. Um, from a Leinster point of view, you're looking at and going, you could just discard that completely because Leinster made 11 changes for the next game. And what let them down against Zebra was that their, their defence in the outside backs was, was terrible. Charlie Natai came in, came in for his first cap, the, the former All Black. Um, he played at 12 with inexperienced Jamie Osborne at 13. There was just their disconnection in midfield defence was shocking. And then the back three, two young guys in Max O'Reilly um, and uh, and Chris Cosgrove. Um, and they just got found out defensively against the Zebra side that all of a sudden is, is attacking really well, actually. And we can see that... They've scored a hell of a lot of tries, and even though they've lost both games, they've, they've managed to get um, four bonus points, um, two for within seven and two for four tries. So um, that's kind of what happened against Zebra. The reason why they won was because their pack is dominant, and that's always been the case for Leinster in the URC. Uh, Jason Jenkins has been an absolutely outstanding signing for them, and um, he's really given them that tight head lock grunt presence that everybody talks about, both Leinster and Ireland, needing a lot more of. Um, their mall has always been good. It was It's even better now with, with someone like him in there. Um, you know, the first choice forwards came back in alongside Jenkins um, against Benetton and the up, up front dominance kind of was even was even more. Um, you know, Leinster don't need to get out of second or third gear when they're when their pack is firing like that. And the mall was as good as it was. You know, Dan Sheehan had four of the easiest tries he'll ever he'll ever get um, against Benetton. Not to take away from the fact he is he is a very dangerous carrier. Um, and I think it was interesting, actually, I think Dan McFarland actually mentioned the mall during press during the week as something that, that Ulster weren't as strong with defending on the weekend. So that's that's an interesting little subplot um, with, with, with Leinster's mall, always historically strong and even better now with that big South African in there. Um, so, yeah, they, they you know, they, we haven't really seen the best of their back line yet. Um, you know, Henshaw and Ringrose back in the midfield against Benetton certainly shored up the, a lot of the defensive issues um, in the back line. Um, which is good from a Leinster point of view coming up against Ulster's backline, that a lot of those issues have been solved. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's going to be a classic Ulster Leinster game, I think, of where, where Leinster will come up with a with a with a stronger pack on paper and, and and look to be dominant up front, and and Ulster will look for some sort of parity and um and look to really go at Leinster's backline. So that's how I see it. Um, I'm yeah. sure you you've you've kind of got a few views there of 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 where Ulster fit in with with what with what they need to be worried about. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned the mole there and the, the mole defence. Ulster have historically been good at uh, mole defence, particularly for Mullen. We've talked about him already. Uh, that's a, re- a real strong point of his game. And it sounds like a very boring thing. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not one for the, the casual fan. But uh, in, in terms of analysing games, the mole is absolutely crucial. And, and the uh, momentum that you can gain and indeed the tries that that. that both Ulster and Leinster score score bucket loads of tries off a really strong rolling mall. Now, it wasn't great against the Scarlets. Now, that's concerning because it's going to be a whole different ball game against Leinster if, if you can't defend. Now, that's nothing against Scarlets in particular, but you're going up a level in, in terms of quality against uh, against Leinster. It's a, a very big, strong pack. Uh, Sheehan's absolutely deadly off the, the back of them all and so that's that's one area obviously that Ulster will have to be very careful against Leinster and they'll be well drilled in that regard Roddy Grant uh, and Dan McFarland of course both specialist forward coaches and nothing will turn their stomach more than losing the sort of the, the mole defence battle uh, so th- they will be working on that this week I'm sure in terms of other ways in, in which Ulster will be targeted I think uh, the, the Scarlet's game they had something like seven turnovers, um, which and also given away a number of penalties as well. So, I mean, the, the rock's going to be absolutely crucial. Now, we played it sort of fast and loose uh, in terms of our, our, our attack. But in terms of the defence, we need to get in there, slow things down. That was one of the big difficulties. The game was played at such a, a, rel- a relentless and rapid pace. It's very difficult that if you if you turn the ball over to get organised, uh, everyone was just in a flat, uh, and that leads to difficulties getting around, wrapping around. So, but by that I mean players, I suppose, reading where where the defensive line is and where we're short and organising. And to do that effectively, we need to get in and slow the ball down. We need to do it in a clever way, uh, whether that be sort of holding up players for a few moments or or getting in and competing uh, as appropriate, not committing too many people to the rock as well. So, I mean, those are all basic sort of rock points. But the other point you, you mentioned, Dan talked in, in the press conference there in the week about the, the line out in the mall defence, but he also talked about Leinster's line speed as well. Now, that'll apply a lot of pressure. Um, Billy Burns is someone who he started to, to come up closer to, to the line. You know, he, he's trying to he's, he's trying to take, take the ball off much space. That'll be very difficult against Leinster. The back row for Leinster, as we all know, are ridiculous. And there's about three sets of back row that they could potentially play, you know, and there wouldn't be a huge decrease in quality there. So, I mean, just in terms of line speed, Ulster, Ulster will, of course, try and deal with that as best they can. But that will be another area that Leinster will uh, definitely be targeting. So, in, in terms of Johnny Sexton, there's rumours that he's going to be back for this game. So how much of an impact will a returning Johnny Sexton make and how much does Leinster miss him when he's away? Yeah, he'll play. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive he'll play based on all the noises that are coming out of camp. Um, look, he makes a massive difference. Would he have made a particularly big difference to those defensive woes against Zebra? Potentially not, but maybe just the presence of someone like that who, who demands such high standards and you know, I I don't see how a Leinster backline outside Johnny Sexton can can cannot you know raise their standards. It's that's that's the, it's one of those intangible things that everyone always 
says he's so good at. Um, so, you know, that that there's that. Um, you talked about Billy Burns taking the ball close to the line. There actually were one or two occasions I noticed against Scarlets where he was under a bit of pressure and he just he kind of shoveled the ball along without drawing a man. So he still is liable once or twice to do that. Jo- Johnny doesn't do that, as we know. He's more than happy to take the hit rather than, 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 than shovel the ball along without taking it to the line to his own detriments, as that conversation has been had a thousand times. So, you know, Leinster's attack will be better. Their attack will be better and, and the standards of, of those defending in and around him will be higher. You know, it's 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 pretty pretty uh, predictable, the difference he will make. And um, and I'm pretty sure, yeah, I think they'll play him. And I think, you know, sometimes for Interpros, Leo Cullen in the past has been willing to, to chop and change and play half first team and half not. But, you know, I think, you know, Leinster lost twice to Ulster last year and it's a while before they need to start tapering off the international boys for the for the autumn games. So I, I think I think I think they will go... Um, they will go full metal jacket. Um, I think um, it's just, it's interesting, actually. I, w- I wanted to quickly say something about your, your point about the line speed. It's uh, on one hand, it's a really good matchup for Ulster because we talked about how quick Ulster's ruck ball was and their ruck speed. Um, they'll, they'll be able to get that on first phase against Leinster because Leinster don't compete at all at the breakdown. Their, their line speed is all about leave the ball and get set really quickly and then charge up with two man tackles and, how they how they eventually slow you up is they slow the ball up in contact with those dominant two man tackles and they either drive you back or, or don't they don't let you ruck quickly because they keep the ball off the ground. And um, so Ulster's first phase attack is going to be crucial because that's where they're going to be able to get over the gain line. And if they can, you know, if big Stu McCluskey can can get over the gain line or whoever it is and um and prevent Lencer's line from getting set on first phase, then they'll they'll, they'll have a lot of success. If they don't do that, you know, you go to plan B. And that's why I think it's such an interesting matchup between these teams, because in so many ways, there's a lot of clashing philosophies going and ways of playing the game going going at it here. So it's it's going to be really interesting um, and really yeah. interesting to see, like I said, if with Sexton playing and Leinster's first choice, you know, it's it has been a while since it's been first strength 15 on 15 between these two um, provinces. I know down in the RDS last year, Leinster had a few of their internationals there, not all of them. And it was just after the, the autumn series so it's 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 it, i think the standard of this game will be the highest it's been for a very long time yeah yeah let's not detract from ulster's win down the rds last year no, no. <laughs> i take your point um but in terms of in terms of matchups this is going to be great both teams with their strongest team out now there's a few guys away uh, i've made a wee note here so who's uh, we all know this anyway henderson out hume's still out he's um, still out is he and there's an apparently still out. Now, yeah. there's this has been done before where they've said he's still out, and then <laughs> almost to shock the opposition, they announce very late in the day. So it could be we're recording this on Wednesday evening. Um, the, the teams will be out tomorrow morning, so we might look very foolish. But that uh, Anderson at the minute uh, is out with a hand injury. Hume, Hume's out still, hopefully, be back relatively soon. Sexton, uh, Aaron Sexton. Um, and uh, Sean Raffle as well, I think, is a is a doubt. But in terms of injuries, that's pretty good. In a game where you can expect about a third of your squad to be out at any given time, for that to be the injury list is not bad at all. So in terms of Leinster weaknesses, we've, we've touched on this already, but I mean, there aren't that many Leinster weaknesses, but where will Ulster look to target Leinster? And we, may, we may have covered some of these the points already, but, but there's nothing else to add there, Nathan. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one where Ulster will target them. Um, I think in the past, Ulster might have had a pop at them at that set piece, but I think with Remunen and Henderson not playing, you know, that Ulster, don't, I don't think they have parity at, at line-out in wall time because we touched on before. Um, so I don't think they'll go about it in that way. Um, they had a lot of success kicking in a very wet 
uh, Ravenhill last year, year against Leinster. Um, their Leinster back three really had a tricky day out, and whereas by contrast, Mikey Lowry was um, was running the ball back at will when Leinster kicked to them. So I think they'll they'll as always when you play Leinster, the back three is probably the weakest part of their side. Don't think Hugo Keenan's going to be back. I don't think James Lowe is going to be back. But teams tried to target him in the air anyway. Again, could be wrong. Um, you know, so you're looking at Jimmy O'Brien at 15, probably, and, and Dave Carney on, on one wing, and then maybe Lar- they might stick with Larmer. You know, that's a Jimmy O'Brien is a very underrated uh, aerial player because he just hasn't had as many big games as other players. But the other two, I think Dave and Jordan Larmer, I think, you know, Ulster, John Cooney, box kicking, I think they'll look to get at them. They'll look to get at them and they'll look to and they'll look to force quick turnovers and playoff transition and, and, and knock at that that Leinster um line time to set. Um so I think that's the kicking game is an aerial battle is, is huge. And like I said earlier, I touched on it, you know, first phase, Ulster, they'll be looking to hit Leinster hard. Their first phase defense against Zebra was poor. We mentioned that it should be better with the personnel in there, but that's going to be Ulster the way Leinster set up to to to, to defend, as we've said again. Um that's that's when you know with, with the form that Stu McCluskey's in, you know he's he's we talked about him in his Ireland caps. He's never played as well as this. He's never had a two game span. I, I don't think I don't you know you look at his highlight reel. Like he's always had a few big moments, but never this consistently across you know two eighty minutes sets of eighty. Minutes. So you know he probably fancies a bit of Henshaw. He probably says right, you've never had to defend me when I'm in in this form. So you know that'll be he'll definitely back himself. Henshaw is probably one of the best defenders in the country. So we'll see. It's an intriguing matchup, but yeah. I think first phase attack in the aerial game, and you know, maybe even the scrum a little bit as well. Andrew Porter had a bit of an iffy time um, against Benetton, got away with a few decisions. And, you know, we've seen teams in Six Nations target Ireland that way. Um, Sheehan, Sheehan and, and Porter can be have a slight weakness at the scrum. Um, you know, so Marty Moore might, might fancy that on that, that side of the scrum. So we'll see. So it'll be, it'll be, it'll be intriguing. Yeah, oh, I can't wait. No, just talking about it, those matchups. Uh, Stuart McClossey, nothing motivates a player like the sort of bitterness of lack of recognition or perceived lack of recognition for the years. And uh, the man who's uh, who's fir- firmly cemented and rightly so in the Ireland team, Henshaw uh, and, and Ringrose. Um, do you know, I, I can't wait. And in terms of uh, rugby this weekend, we have another interesting game coming up. It's the first game uh, in the Emerging Ireland Tour. Um, now, there's I think there's about 10 Ulster players away, also a good Leinster contingent. So um, I suppose most people listening to this will know the Ulster players away, but in terms of Leinster guys, maybe players who have just emerged this season and guys away in this Leinster tour, who should we be looking out for in terms of the young players coming through? Well, it's interesting. I'm just looking at the, the list here. You look at a lot of those Leinster players. A lot of those guys played when Leinster lost up in up in Belfast last year. You look at Scott Penny, Joe McCarthy, Max Dean, Jamie Osborne. Um, so Ulster have seen those guys before, and I think them being taken away for this particular game has actually helped Leinster because it's forced Leinster into into bringing their internationals back. Um, so and, and they get a stronger fifteen. But in terms of guys to look out for, um, if you look at the overall squad, there were probably three guys that were the closest to a senior Ireland uh, squad, um, and they were Bob Balakoon, uh, Kieran Foley, and Joe McCarthy. And a lot of people are saying this whole tour was concocted so that Kieran Foley could get minutes at ten, and they could figure out does he jump above Joey Carberry in the ten pecking order, um, or can he, or does he jump above Harry Byrne in the third slot? And um, obviously Foley did his shoulder last week against Benetton, so he's not going. So the whole tour is now pointless. Um, but so, but Joe McCarthy, I mean, people would have seen him uh, on against the 
the Marys, you know, just a big bruiser. He's the guy that they kind of signed. They signed Jenkins, I think, a little bit maybe to mentor him a little too, as, as, as that kind of massive second row presence. Michael Milne is someone they really like in the front row, loose head, long term. They see him as the long term successor to Andrew Porter. You know, again, just, you know, big bodied athletes, really skillful on the ball. Um, and then Thomas Clarkson as well is a decent, uh, decent propping option. Brian Deeney, another second row. They love. I, I really want to see how Andrew Smith gets on because him alongside Shea Mullins over in Connacht, they're the two guys who come into the squad from sevens who just won bronze at the World Cup. And uh, it's very interesting that they've come straight from sevens into a reasonably high level, you know, 15, 15 side uh, squad. Now you could make the argument that those guys are there because the province has kicked up a fuss and Ireland had to compromise with who they could take. Um, so I, I don't know whether how much how, how true that is, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. The one I'm really looking forward to seeing from Ulster's point of view is the new scrum half, um, the Aussie. Um, uh, yes, Michael McDonald, who, who I don't think I've actually included in that list, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know because part of me is worried that if he's 23 and was nowhere near the Aussie setup, I mean, Australia have a couple of good scrum halves in, in McDermott and White. Um, but if you're 23, the scrum half competition on this side of the water is a lot better than it would be in Australia. So I wonder, are they taking him just because Connick said you can't have Marmion and, and Ulster said you can't have Cooney and Doak and Leinster said you can't have. McGrath, whoever it is, I don't know. Um, so I, I'd, I'd like to see him play because we haven't seen anything of him. So he's he's the one from Ulster. I mean, look, we, we spoke about, you know, Tom Stewart should get a good run. Um, Cormac Izzichuku is another one who I'd love to see more of. And uh, I think I think Bob Balakun should be annoyed he's in this squad because he should be a lot closer to the to the senior team. I think I think he's the most naturally gifted winger um, Ireland have. He, he just needs to start doing what James Lowe does and just get, you know, 20 plus touches a game. Get stuck in exactly. Completely agree with you. Bob Balakun has uh, has all the ability in the world, but he needs to get more involved. And I suppose teams need to facilitate him in doing that as well. Do you know? But the onus is also on him to go looking for the ball. Um. So look, exciting to see. I think there was there was a bit of negotiation as as you alluded to with the emerging Ireland tour between the provinces and and Andy Farrell and um. I, th- I think uh, McCann's another one of those who. I think probably would have been there, but for the fact Ulster probably said, look, here, let us hold on to him. We might need him. Um, so he's ended up going. Um, uh, Mike yeah, McDonald. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think Mike McDonald is uh, an interesting one. He played, we haven't seen, as you say, we haven't seen a huge amount. He played in the um, the preseason friendly and he was very good. That's all I can say. Like, I wish uh, I had the time to have watched all of his uh, back catalogue uh, <laughs> in Australia, but look, it'll unfold sort of what player he is. He certainly seems highly rated, and the the the, the selectors must have seen enough to, to give him a chance anyway. So very impressive to be called on after one preseason game, called away on tour. But there you go. So just finally, as we cap this off, we sort of talked around the subject. Very difficult question. What is your prediction for this game? I always think when you're playing big games like this, um, it's early season. So it's, it's, and you know, the form is that Ulster have had a stronger side out for the two games and more, you know, that, that first choice 15 is probably a little bit more cohesive than Leinster's. Um, so I think that's good. But I, I always think when you're playing big games like this, the side who has the more dominant set piece and forward oriented game it always edges it for me. Um, I'd know the result would surprise me. Um, I think I think I don't actually think it'll be as high scoring as 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 
people would suggest with, with both sides looking to to attack. I think Leinster will look to not strangle the game, but they'll, they'll look to play in the right areas. They're, they lead the league, even despite their struggles in the first game, they lead the league in 22 entries. So that tells you a lot about how they look to play the game. They're, they're you know, the territory is most more important. And, but their transition is pretty good. And, you know, their defence will, will test Ulster. Ulster. I don't think Ulster put 50 on them, put it that way. Um, but who knows? Like we talked about first phase attack. If, if Stu McCluskey gets going and, and starts busting through some holes or, or offloading as he, as he has been and putting some guys through some holes, Ulster will cause a lot of problems. Um, I just think, I think no Henderson and no Vermeulen is massive because Leinster will more or less be coming up with the first twice pack. And like I said, in these big games, more often than not, the side with the more dominant pack and set piece ends up on top. So that's why I'm, I'm edging towards Leinster, I think. Perfect. I'm I'm going to say Ulster by 50. No, I'm not really. I think, I think Ulster uh, at home, I think that will make a big difference. And I think I, what sort of uh, Ulster rugby fan would I be if I didn't back Ulster at home against Leinster? So for much less thought out and detailed reasons than yours, I'm going to back Ulster in this <laughs> one. <laughs> so there we go. That concludes the, the pod. We're going to have a pod after the game as well. Um, and good luck to, to your guys, Nathan. Are you at the game yourself on, on Friday night? I don't think so, actually. I haven't I haven't made any plans to travel up. We'll see. We'll see if last minute I'm, I'm needed to, to head up there for the for the for work. But uh, I'll definitely be watching either way. Yeah, cool. Well, we'll catch up after the game and uh, may the best team win. I want to introduce the Red Hand listeners to a fantastic business who support the podcast. Hill Fitness is Northern Ireland's leading home gym equipment provider. Whether you're a total beginner buying your first weight set or a strength training veteran creating your dream home gym, Hill Fitness have you covered. From dumbbells to squat racks, gym flooring to exercise bikes, Hill Fitness have everything you need and more. The Red Hand listeners can receive an exclusive discount of 5% off their first order in-store or online. Just use code RED5, all caps, at the checkout. Check them out at hillfitnessuk.co.uk. That's discount code RED5, all capitals, for 5% off your first order at hillfitnessuk.co.uk. Hill Fitness make amazing home gyms happen. William Carlyle Coaching, helping yo-yo dieters stop living their life on a diet and achieve long-lasting fat loss results. We've helped hundreds of dieters ditch the strict, boring and bland diets while losing 15 pounds minimum in 90 days. This is all done with the Fit for Life Transformation Program. It's the counterintuitive approach to weight loss and will change your life forever. If you want to know more, grab your phone and pen and paper and write down William's social accounts on Instagram. It's at William Carlisle Coaching. And on Facebook, it's just William Carlisle. If you type that in, you'll find them. If you'd be interested in learning more, drop William a message and have a chat with him. So that's William Carlisle Coaching on Instagram or Facebook, just type in William Carlisle and look him up on there and drop him a message.